Season four. It's a roller off the barrel. Vintage baseball podcast. Talking to Swamp Fox, Rudy Frias, and vintage baseball players all over this country, border to border, coast to coast. We are here. It's season four. Rudy Frias, are you excited? I am so excited. I finally, I'm joining like a full season at the beginning. I'm so happy. Oh my God. Yeah, we'll break up by the end, right? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> So, uh, season four, later on in just a little bit, we got a couple of gentlemen coming in from the Riverside Smudge Pots uh, from California, 1886 vintage baseball, which I'm very excited about myself right now, seeing how I'm putting together something for 2024. Uh, by the way, uh, there's a, there's a rumor that I'm on a city council docket tomorrow. Kind of a big day. Can't tell you what it's for, you know, cause when they say no, I don't want everyone to be like, ha ha, you know, I don't know. But I'm on a docket. Uh, hey, Rudy, uh, first episode of season four, we're going to talk about, I'm in a new studio, by the way. You can't see it, but I can. And uh, I can see things, and there's not like a, an old mattress and a microwave and and all kinds of stuff in my way. It's now fully purposed for the podcast. And uh so I like that. I'm getting used to a different acoustic thing here, but I'll get it figured out because I'm really good with technology. Rudy, we're going to talk for a few minutes about what we're doing this season uh, before we get in with the uh, the smudge pots. I know what a smudge pot is, by the way, Rudy. I looked it up. Uh, before we get into what we're doing, uh, ROTB-wise, R O. TB, come on, baby, say you love me five, six, seven times. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about something that unfortunately happened this week, and that was a former Columbus Capitol by the name of Sundial who passed away. I don't know anything about the gentleman, so I'd like to give you the floor for a couple of minutes for you to uh, tell us about Sundial. Sundial, um, for those who didn't get a chance to meet Sundial, um, Sundial became a, a capital thanks to his uh, his his little his little sister Kirsten Wyckoff, who is our uh, our tally keeper, our one of three cranks that come to every capital game, um, and I think in the post it stated that he joined the Capitals at a pivotal time, and it, it's very true. Um, you know, we, we weren't having a lot of games, uh, back in the early 2000, mid 2000 area. And, um, we were just kind of a thrown together club and it was whoever my, my brothers, my dad and, and Mike Wyckoff could find to bring on. And he, Sundial was, uh, he achieved the name and the moniker Sundial for his, uh, speed or lack thereof, and mm. he was just a really great guy. Uh, really gravitated to the game, and uh, in the sense that he loved his family and he loved the the community that uh, the Capitals were developing, and he loved to have a good time. He, we could always 
Uh, he, he, his, his laugh filled the ballpark. He uh, really, I mean, I, I could go on forever about talking about how what a great guy he was and how important he was to the Capitals in those early years. Um, moved, moved away, uh, moved to uh, out of state and uh, still remained a Capital at heart. He would always call. He loved the World Tournament of Vintage Baseball and was a part of the very first club to ever win anything for the Capitals at the World Tournament. Um, and every every August, he would call and get updates from Kirsten during the weekend asking how we were doing and how – and never failed. Every time, every year. Um, and, yeah, he will be – He'll be. He lost his uh his battle to cancer, and he will be missed by many people. So yeah, thanks thanks for allowing me to give a chance to talk about him. I know Mike and Kirsten, uh, uh would appreciate it as well. Uh, well, absolutely. Vintage baseball. Uh, one of the things that you and I have in common is we think it should be treated as a big family, and uh, so we do what we can to keep it that way. So when totally. When the vintage baseball community loses uh, a family member, it's important for us to know and learn about that family member, so the legacy can can last a while in vintage baseball. And uh, I know I don't get to everybody on here. I know people pass away all the time, unfortunately, and the reality of this this crazy world that we live in. And mm-hmm. uh, but I do what I can, and and so. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And how do you segue from that into, Hey, let's, uh, let's stop talking about cancer and talk about vintage baseball. Awkward transition happening well, no, right now. I got you. The transition <laughs> is, is that, uh, through this, through this sad, unfortunate thing, I've been able to go back into the Capitol archives of photos and videos and, and, you know, just to, to pull for Mike and Kirsten and, um, you talked about what the season's coming up for the Roller Out the Barrel show, and I was really excited about all of the uh, times that we're going to be together with audio, with cameras, and putting together uh, this this vintage baseball spectacle for many, many people to see. I'm very excited about that. Oh, Yeah. Uh, we don't even know what we're going to be doing. (laughs) We just know what we're going to be trying, which is, which is cool enough. Uh, we start out the season together. The first time we're together is May 6th at the flat rock invitational. And, uh, Mm -hmm. we're going to be trying some things there that weekend and, uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, I do know that, uh, we're going to have two cameras and I don't know what the hell we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing as much as we can without looking stupid. We're going to spoil ourselves because we'll have three cameras. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So watch out. It's going to be intense. So, uh, yeah. And we don't, and, and that's going to be our big learning, uh, day as to what we can and can't do should or shouldn't do moving forward. Uh, that'll be very interesting. I think, uh, Rudy, if I'm not mistaken, we're not together again until the Akron Cup in July, the 8th and 9th. Uh, that, yep. And then we'll be trying some more nonsense. But also, 
we're putting on the 2023 Mightiest Striker and Gingerly Gentleman contests at the Akron Cup. And, uh, dude, those guys from Akron, the Black Stockings, have been so awesome uh, to deal with. Uh, what a what a treasure in the Ohio vintage baseball community that those guys are. And the Stan Hewitt Gardens, how is that event not booked full years in advance? They still have two spots, I think. I don't know how it's possible. It is. I, I did outdoor theater there for a summer and played vintage baseball that weekend left the parking lot, walked to the back where the gardens are, and did two shows. It is so gorgeous. I have no idea. I mean, the, the Black Stockings, you're right. They're a treasure, and their home field is a gem of the community. So we'll be uh, doing stuff on the main field uh, there. And then um, I'm uh, – Rudy and I are breaking up for a little while during the summer this time. Uh the world's the world's tournament in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, Rudy's flying solo. Well, he won't be solo. I'm sure he'll have something figured out by then. But Rudy's attending the world's tournament as a captain, as a player, and as the roller out the barrel show. Um, I'm sure he's going to have to get some help and, and all that stuff. But I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. I might be there as a fan on the 12th. As I look at the schedule, because I'm going to be in Detroit on the 12th as I'm flying out uh, early in the morning to Boston. Because I got to get in early because when you're uh, sitting around watching the teams that haven't gotten knocked out of that tournament, I'm going to be at Fenway Park watching the Red Sox and the Tigers. Yes. Drunk, I hope. That's really awesome for you. Uh, but yeah, I might stop in, but I'm not working on the 12th. So. so I am therefore at the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival uh, that's happening on the uh, that following weekend. So that's the what the 19th and 20th, eight they 18th, 19th, and 20th. I don't know what happens on the 18th. I'll be there for the 18th and 19th. I'm flying back Sunday morning. Uh, and then you have a situation where it's Ohio Cup time, Labor Day weekend. Rudy has no choice but to be there. Uh, he'll never get away from that event. And I'm not going to be there as of right now uh, because I have to pick and choose. So what I did was I gave up Ohio Cup. So in two weeks after that, I can make a trip down to Tennessee for the Sulphur Dell Cup, which is what I'm which I guarantee I'm going to. I 100% committed to that event last year, and I'm going to it, and that's all that's, that's all there is. I have to be there. I think I'm flying down there. I'm not driving. And uh, so, yeah, so actually we're only together for three dates at this point. But that's about right, isn't it? It's a, it's it's spread out over uh, uh, the capital season, so yeah, I think that I think it's I, it'll be good. I mean, we don't see each other more than that usually during a season, do we? Uh, I think last season, well, the season before, we saw each other quite a bit uh, as you were doing your uh, goodbye farewell tour. 
And then, uh, yeah, last season, I think we only saw each other a handful of times. I think we only saw each other two times last year, right? The Michigan Vintage Baseball Festival. Oh, three times. Yep. And then the World Tournament and then the Ohio Cup. Yep. That's about right. Yes. And uh, so it'll be nice to see each other at some different events. Uh, it'll be nice to see you in Michigan I've, uh, at the Flat Rock Invitational. That's a lot of uh, heavy hitters at that at that event. Yeah. And uh, tell me what else you have uh, on the capital schedule for this year. Um, honestly, uh, we have the uh, the Columbus Vintage Baseball Showcase because for the first time in a long time, all of three quarters of the, the clubs that exist in Columbus are going to get together at Muffin Meadow to play. I think it's, um, yeah, in June. And then, you know what we're, we're all looking forward to? We're all really looking forward to the Rochester Grangers uh, match in July um, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the formation of that club. My father is super excited and was telling me all about the individuals that made the initial trip and and um, you know wanting to hopefully bring uh, a Frius out of retirement to make the trip so we can have the whole family up there for it. Um, yeah, we're 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 awfully excited about that. Uh, what do you got for a date on that one? July uh, what? Was it twenty uh, second? I feel like I said twenty second, and then Feeney corrected me and said it was the twenty first. It is July. 22nd. Why are you That's listening right. to Feeney? Um, so. <laughs> I think the Rangers might have given him their schedule. They gave him the schedule and put 21st on it to him so he didn't show up sucking on one of his lollipops watching the game. Uh, get a life, Mike. 22nd of July. Mm-hmm. I might make that one. I might make that one. It's going to be a special event. I mean, 25 years of vintage baseball is kind of a big deal. I mean, I love the Grangers. You guys are okay. And I, <laughs> I love the venue. The venue's the best. Uh, any excuse to get down there to that venue. Uh, outstanding. Okay. There you go. Uh, so that's what we're doing this year. Uh, we're going to have some video situations. We're going to go through our, our normal season-long 32 interviews, uh, which is what is the definition of a season for this podcast. And then we do a lot of little interviews uh, along the way. So, I mean, we're at 180 episodes. So at some point, we're going to hit 200 episodes. We'll have a big show for that. I have no idea what. And uh, actually, my daughter, when she made this video, she made this video for me the other day about getting ready for season four, she asked uh, what we were doing for episode 200. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Interviewing somebody. <laughs> I guess, should we, is it a big deal? I don't know. And uh, yeah. And then at the end of the season, we get to sit back and think about all the things we did that didn't work. And the couple that did <laughs> and go Whatever. forward with the, gold. the couple that did. 
Uh, don't forget, if you know somebody in the vintage baseball community that you would call maybe a character, maybe a hidden gem, maybe somebody who has interesting storytelling abilities or has an interesting life out of vintage baseball and you think that uh, the whole community would be interested in what they do, what they have to say and all that stuff, go ahead and you can send one of us a slide into our DMs and tell us all about this gent or or uh lady and we will get to as many as we can uh history says rudy we start off here no problems with guests and then when the season starts uh we start getting like so many requests we have to make this long list and get through that list so we have to stop trying to get people on the show and just follow this list for like three months. And then when vintage baseball season's over, everyone's like, ah, I need a break. And so we fight for guests at the end of the season to get, to get to our 32. But, uh, we will see. Um, we are starting off this season right now because we're going to bring in, do we have just one gentleman or two? Both are here right now. Both are here. Let's bring them in and let's get season four underway, shall we? Here we go. We are bringing in uh, Victor Gomez, the designer, and we're bringing in Chris, the curator, Johnson, the captain of the Riverside Smudge Pots from California, 1886 Vintage Baseball. Uh, when you guys can hear me, let me know. I can hear you. No. <clears throat> no. I can hear Absolutely. you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I hear Victor very well. Uh, <laughs> Chris is driving in his car. Oh, look at that mustache. Hold everything. We're going to hold everything. Look yeah. at that mustache. Here we go. We're going to start the interview with this. Chris, I'm going to interview your mustache. Mustache. <laughs> mustache. How long have you been friends with Chris Johnson? Who, me? No, I'm talking to mustache. I'm talking. I'm actually right now <laughs> interviewing the mustache on Chris Johnson's face. Here we My go. Bad. Mustache. <laughs> Three years. You've been friends with Chris Johnson for three years. It's odd that you sound just like Chris. Uh, how did you feel the last time that he got rid of you, Mustache? Uh, out in the breezes off of the the Pacific Ocean in California, when you don't exist, do you feel helpless, the fact that you cannot help Chris get through the wind and the cold off of the Pacific ocean because he treats you so badly and then keeps you around for three years. <laughs> no, I, he can't, he can't get rid of me because that's what happens. Yes. Now you're, you're the captain, <laughs> Chris, you're the captain of the Riverside smudge pots. You're a very important person in vintage baseball. And now you can't get rid of the mustache. So it's almost like, He's holding you hostage. You're holding him hostage. Whatever it is, it's a hairy situation. Chris, Victor, uh, thanks for joining us for this interview. Uh, how are you guys doing? Well, actually, I'm doing fine. I actually work at a high school, and all the kids, 
they call me the Monopoly man. They call me the Pringles guy. All sorts of different mustache nicknames. So. Oh, because you're bald. Take I off the hat. You're bald. Yeah. You're just like, you're as bald as Rudy Frias, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Victor, uh, the yeah. designer Gomez, how are you doing, Victor? I'm doing fine, actually. Uh, just, uh, this is my uh, first day of vacation, actually. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, just try to take it easy. Hopefully waiting for our trip to uh, San Luis Obispo this weekend. So wow. looking forward to it. Nice. Victor, you're called the designer. Why did you get that nickname? Uh, I got the nickname because uh, I was pretty much designing a lot of the team's merch, a lot of the, the smudgy, the logo they have right in the background. I, as you know, it's funny. It's actually, I think it's his birthday today too. So, Smudgy's yeah, birthday? I designed, yeah, it's Smudgy's birthday, I think. Oh, he has a birthday? Really? Yeah, I think this week, yeah, I think, I think it was this weekend he has his birthday actually. It was the first time I introduced him to the... To the rest of the guys on the on the group chat, as I remember. So I don't know if you can see us in the Zoom, Victor, but my background is yeah, your can, is your logo. Yeah, I can see in the yeah, I can see in the Zoom. Because uh, you uh, you don't have your video turned on for us, so we can uh, we can't make fun of you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Right now, I'm okay. I'm okay. Zoom meetings right now. <laughs> uh, is there currently? Any merch for the Riverside Smudge Pots? Yeah, Chris, I would wanna... say, yeah, I would say we have. That's like our, that's our strength is our merch game is pretty strong. So we we have what we call the mer- old merch game, all of our home games, and so we have so we have anything we have we have soap. <laughs> what? We have hoodie. We have Raglan baseball shirts. We have hats, like the kind of a knockoff hat, like we wear. Um, we have keychains. We have pistons. We have Christmas ornaments. Uh, all sorts of stuff. So that's our, that, yeah, so that's our strength. Where, uh, where can I send everybody that listens to this episode? Where can I send them to buy some Smudgebot merch? Put on the uh that was breaking up a little bit but it i it i it did sound like chris said go to the instagram victor uh do you is is that what he said yes he did either the instagram or the facebook page uh yeah so you guys if if you look behind me and see that logo you want you want a shirt you want to how many guys on the team have a tattoo of smudgy? <laughs> uh, none whatsoever. Well, after we uh, won our first championship, I, I recall everyone in the parking lot when we were drinking some beers all said they were going to get one, but they haven't, uh, they haven't done it. So I, th- I, I think we were hitting the beer pretty hard after we won the, that title, bro. <laughs> but some, some tattoos are really stupid, but this one, that would be cool. Smudgy the tattoo. Some I think just one person should get it. The MVP of I saw the last don't. I saw the video on your Facebook page of the last don't when you beat Crestline. Not not when you lost to them. I'm not talking about when you lost. You guys lost. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about two years ago when you won. 
I saw the last out on that video. Uh, do you guys like post videos of full games? Yeah, so we've streamed a few games live, and then we'll set up about four different cameras, like one behind the plate, one from center field, and then we'll switch cameras. It's kind of hard to do. Like I'm trying to control it while I'm playing, <laughs> so it gets a little tricky. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll do that sometimes, and we'll just record. Because the video presentation looked pretty good, uh, Victor. Yeah. Do yeah. you do you 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 have a lot to do with uh, designing? Obviously, do you have anything to do with the video output situation? Not, not really. Just the uh, the only thing I have my input is just when uh, Chris puts the logos of the of the, of the club in in there. That's pretty much it. Um, the the audiovisual side, I I give that to Chris. He, He's the one that does that, and I'm like, I, like I said, they're in game time. It's, it's just uh, I'm more focused on the game, if anything, you know. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard as a person who does a videography and tries to captain and play a vintage baseball game. It's it's damn near impossible. So my hat goes off to yeah. you, Chris. Uh, you. I did I did want to like because it seems like you guys already are like ahead of the game as far as like merch and design and getting the name out there and, and posting live streaming matches uh, for our listeners out there. What's the history of the smudge pots? When did this club come into existence and how long have you been associated with it? Either one of you can take that. Yeah. So the smudge pots came about in 2018. Uh, I was looking to join a vintage baseball team and then, uh, Crestline told me that they didn't have enough, you know, they didn't have any room on their team. And then the commissioner at the time, Wes Barca, said, hey, why don't you just start a Riverside team? So I called my friend uh, John Magdaleno up and said, hey, are you, are you down or what? And so we started a team and I just started calling everyone I played baseball with in my life. And it was kind of a hard sell at the time just because they didn't see any uniforms. Uh, they couldn't, you know, see the vision. But once we got uniforms and started playing now, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people contact us and want to join the team. Well, Victor, well, like, did you did you come about in, like, 2018, 2019? Or is this uh, newer for you? Actually, I came around 2018. Um, this is funny, though. Around the time I was, uh, I was actually living, I was actually living around Lake Elsinore, around and I remember, like, around that time, I saw, like, some videos on YouTube about these guys playing vintage baseball in the East Coast, right there, like, in Connecticut, somewhere, like, in New Hampshire, I guess, Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I remember I t- told my ex-wife, I was like, you know what, that's on my bucket list. I would totally like to do that. If that if it ever came an opportunity, if there was ever an opportunity for me to uh, play or participate, if there's a league around the West Coast here in this in this area, I would totally do it. And she was in full support of it. And uh, maybe, like, I want to say, like, two or three months later, um, I saw the Facebook post. At, at that time, I was running another uh, – I was running a Facebook page. I was running uh, a Facebook page on the uh, San Bernardino Spirit, the old uh, San Bernardino minor league team. They used to – they used to go by the Spirit name here in, in the area where I live at. And then I saw that uh, – I saw that announcement there, look for tryouts. And I'm like, you know, I have a little bit of a softball background myself you know i played a little bit of uh, freshman baseball i had a cup of coffee with the jv 
so not for varsity, <laughs> you know. So I jo- I ended up joining. So I I tried out. I think the first I remember the first tryout. It was so hot. It was around August. I remember, and I got to meet Chris. I got to meet John. Uh, I think Peacock was there. Uh, Carlos, and I got to meet Wes. Wes and uh, one of his other guys that was I forgot his name. He's no longer with the team though, but but we got uh I guess I guess the way it went is well since you're the first ones here you're automatically in the team. <laughs> that was gonna be, that was gonna be my follow up. Yeah, That's pretty much. Now, like for the smudge, what's 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 this, what's the what's what's the protocol for a tryout? Uh, you yeah you you show up and you take some grounders with the you know with a minimal glove and you swing a heavy bat. And if you're down to uh, continue, then you made the team. So, <laughs> dope. No offense, no offense to anyone, but uh, yeah, that's how it went. <laughs> uh, Victor, I thought you were going to say that your ex-wife was not supportive of the vintage baseball, so you divorced her ass. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> she was supportive, and then uh, let's just say uh, yeah, things didn't work out. That's another story for <laughs> That's a different podcast. Uh, yeah. The beard. Uh, Victor has uh, joined the, the video portion of the Zoom. Uh, the beard is impressive, especially to have in that hot uh, California heat. It's a dry heat. Uh, you ever think about shaving that thing off? To be honest, I have not shaved it in over, what, three, four years, give or take? Nice. Yeah, it's a... It's a chick magnet, bro. <laughs> I hate to, you know, I mean, this is this is clearly an audio medium here. But folks, once this gets dropped on YouTube, get to the channel so you can see the facial hair that the smudge pots are bringing. To the game. It is, uh, whew, they've set the bar very high. Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, do you guys think that maybe the next time that you're in the finals, maybe against Crestline, who knows? You guys could have a hair versus hair match where the other team just gets to shave all your facial hair. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The guys on the press line, I don't think really have too much going on when it comes to facial hair. But uh, we used to do a beard or facial hair or beard of the game, and uh, we'd give out like a little care pack from one of our sponsors yeah. to like beard beard products. Uh, that was, that was fun. That's that's genius, honestly. Like <laughs> yes. the fact that like I don't see more vintage teams trying to like reach out for sponsorships from like barber shops and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like be the exclusive barber of your vintage baseball club. That's that's where it's at. Uh well, can, you know yeah, the go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Chris. You're good. Um the one the one thing that we've um I have a little bit of a promoting background. I used to promote a lot of rockabilly and psychabilly shows. So uh, the one thing that I've learned about promoting is uh, there's always good publicity. There's always publicity. You know, it's always uh, it's important to have publicity when you're trying to promote something. You know, and uh, I think when it comes to, I think we've had barber shops, we've had we had um, grooming companies hit us up actually. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this. Uh, I, I was looking on the team's uh, Facebook page, and I came across a picture of a jug band. Do you guys have your own jug band, or is it a bunch of guys that show up and and do the jugs? What, what's the situation <laughs> yeah, with that? Uh, yeah. 
So the crazy thing is, is the Jug Band is their name is also the Smudge Pods. So uh, we came across them. They're from Redlands, and so they, you know, they play jugs and washboards and all that fun stuff. But they, we found them on Instagram, and I was just going through some hashtags, and then they've performed actually at our matches two times, and then we've been over to one of their concert concerts. So yeah, we. We don't play, but uh, yeah, they've come to a few uh, matches and kind of created the event and brought some, uh, you know, more of some some life to it. Chris, can you take a second and tell everybody exactly what a smudge pot is? Okay, so for for those of you on maybe on the East Coast, over in California, California, especially Riverside, is known for its citrus industry. Riverside was the richest city per capita in the late 1800s uh, due to this orange industry. But they had their um, one winter right around like 1908, they had a huge freeze that froze the, the crops. And so the smudge pot was developed and it would be lit. Uh, so they'd have smudgies that would go and light the heaters and then they would keep the groves warm overnight. But it brought all this soot and pollution to the valley. And so they were outlawed by the 60s. But then all these smudge pots were abandoned, thrown away for trash. But now they've seen this revival as far as like, you know, like lawn and garden art, mailboxes are made out of smudge pots. So when we were trying to come up with a name for the team, I thought it was kind of quirky and it was perfect for the area. So I think that's why the community really gravitated towards it. And uh, I guess the rest is history. What does the citrus industry do now that they don't do smudge potting? Uh, it's still there. Uh, Riverside has the California State Historical Citrus Park. Uh, we're actually going to be part of their citrus tasting event in a month or so. Um, UC Riverside, which is pretty close to where we're at, uh, they have a citrus experimental station still, and so they still have some citrus. And have you ever ate one of those real small oranges, the cutie? That was developed at a UCR, I believe. So it's still kind of there. Uh, Victor, do you have one of these smudge pots in your front yard? You know what? Um, I was actually trying to get one the other day. Those things are pretty darn expensive, let me tell you. I just pulled them up on, I was like, I wanted to see one. And like, uh, Four hundred and seventy dollars. Like I said, I was, like I said, Rudy. Dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like I'm telling you, these things were junk a few years back. Yeah. And then now, now people are taking them like when they go out camping, RVing, and they light oh. them up. There's a whole guy on uh, Instagram that just sells smudge pots just for those purposes. So, have them for a bonfire, man. Especially <laughs> those cold Midwest. Those cold Midwest winters, you know. Uh, I read a story that there was actually a guy going around stealing a bunch of these smudge pots, and it was a big deal because he stole so many of them. Are you guys familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah did yeah. did it have my did it have my picture on the, the story? Well, not the way you currently yeah, look. No, <laughs> it's it's funny because yeah, I I know that story you're talking about. So behind UC Riverside, they have a pile, like I'm talking like 500, and that's where he was stealing them from. But I always thought about 
I entertained I entertained that uh, that possibility of kind of liberating some smudge bots myself. So <laughs> under the cover yeah. of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> so wait. many smudge pot yeah. questions. I have another one. What is used in the smudge pot as fuel if it's burning if it's burning a a fire to to keep the crops warm? What is the fuel? It's like some mixture of some type of kerosene. The the guy that sells them online, I'm like, hey, how do you light these things? And he told me, he's like, yeah, you get some paper towels, you get a bunch of like gasoline and all sorts of stuff. But um, as far as to keep it going through the whole night, yeah, some something to that effect. But it, yeah, like I said, it was pretty bad. And, uh, you know, they outlawed, they outlawed them, so uh hey uh victor tell me about the central coast yeah. classic that's coming up this weekend uh well it's uh it's gonna be uh four teams uh ourselves and our our rival preston uh, highlanders taking on the uh barbary coast and the san francisco pelicans so we're gonna be playing each team once it's gonna where they want to play one saturday one sunday um, it's kind of like a kind of like a goodwill game in a way. Maybe there'll be, hopefully there'll be a California championship, state championships. You know. Okay. Oh, is this like the event? See, uh, maybe San Luis Obispo. Is this the event center. you maybe guys are meeting? Championship game that would be pretty cool. Are you guys meeting at yeah, a neutral right. field halfway in between each other? Uh, yeah. We're at the, it's. I think for both of us, it's like a three-hour drive. From I think where we live at from where they live. I think this was my idea. Rudy, if we go back in the archives of the Roller Earl to Barrel show, I interviewed two of the Pelicans. I think I can take credit for this idea. It should be called the Barrel Roller Classic. <laughs> nope. <laughs> is this yeah, the but- is this the first year for it? Is this the first year? Of this classic? Yeah, it's the first time uh, the Bay Area teams uh, reached out and they've done an amazing job um, kind of promoting it and securing the venue. They even got a they even got a local brewery that has really no skin to the game at all uh, to sponsor the field and everything. So, Wow. Well, I... that's, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. That I mean, and, and Barrel Roller, I will back you up on this. This was, uh, while it might not be initially your idea, you did uh, verbalize it for uh, tens of tens of people to hear on the podcast. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's my pleasure to uh, to offer my my goodwill wishes to you guys in the Barrel Roller Classic this week, and good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> Victor, uh, you mentioned the rockabilly stuff that you were doing posters for and everything. I was looking up on your Instagram and stuff. Were you making all those posters? It's a neighbor. It's a neighbor. My bad. Does your neighbor have a smudge pot? No, your my neighbor does not have a smudge pot. Well, yes, <laughs> but I got an orange tree here in my front yard. My bad. I was about to say, are you walking by an orange tree? Dang. Yeah. No, no, I have one in my, have one in my front yard actually. Do you feel bad when you need an orange now because it looks be like smudgy? Actually. Uh, Victor, those rockabilly posters, nope. were you making those? Victor. 
Victor, you froze. There you go. Yo, there he is. I'm back. Sorry. All right. Talk to me about this rockabilly lifestyle that you were leading and why you don't anymore. Uh, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's uh, it's a long story. You know, uh, you know, I will help bands get gigs, help promoters get 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 a hold of it. Uh, I was always the middleman in a way. Uh, just came to the point when I got kind of burned out. You know, oh yeah, so and so's performing there. You know, I, I've you know I've seen them so many times. So, what's the point of watching them? You know, you know. So, uh, I got burned out, and I just decided oh, I don't want to be part of it anymore. I'm just I got tired of it, got done, and just wanted to focus on something else. And then this showed up. So, every time Rockabilly comes up on the show, I ask yeah. a question: uh, Billy Bob Thornton, any good? <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, any good? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen him, actually. Oh, nobody ever has seen him. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, uh, when you're dealing with 1886 baseball, as we go back into vintage baseball, uh, you're dealing with minimal equipment. You're dealing with, uh, I know that you guys own in California will uh, perhaps take a little bit of liberty with the catcher's glove. Uh, for a little bit extra protection. Uh, what else? Uh, tell everybody uh, 1886 rules, the equipment that you are using. Yeah, so we're a little bit different than kind of Civil War era ball. Uh, we do get to wear the glove. Uh, the glove is really minimal. It's a little bit more than like a gardener's glove, like a work glove. And the bats are 35 inches uh, minimum and 40 ounces minimum uh and so uh unlike but we also are throwing overhand uh some guys are throwing in the high 70s low 80s so like you said with that with that catcher's glove we do make a little we take some liberty and kind of you know (laughs) give it a little bit more padding it's still a turn of the century kind of glove it doesn't have a web or anything uh we don't wear helmets obviously um, but it's not underhand, it's overhand. And so it's a little bit more in line with modern day baseball rules. Um, but it still has that vintage appeal. 1886 is that kind of that watershed moment because of the use of gloves and, you know, the overhand. So go ahead, Rudy. It looks like, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's very it's interesting. Um, like you, uh, Barrel Roller might have uh, mentioned, we've, we've interviewed a few people from uh, uh, the West Coast, uh, and I've heard it mentioned, Crestline, there's a rivalry. Um, has that always been a rivalry, or is that a new thing? And did that rivalry develop over time in championship matches or something? Could you talk about the genesis of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that. So... Uh, the first time we played Crestline, Crestline was kind of the premier team of the league. And we played a scrimmage game right when we first formed. And I think they beat us somewhat in like 25 to 2. So we just got destroyed. I think we like evaluated whether or not we should be even playing in the league. And uh, we practice every, uh, every weekend. And even in our first season, we lost to them twice. One game was really close and uh, uh, controversial. It was covered by the local newspaper. Uh, we lost, and it was uh, 
something that really weighed on us. And then all of a sudden we found our way into the championship. We, we don't even know how, but we played Crestline and we, we were kind of like the David, you know, slime uh, Goliath. And so that's kind of the, the birth of the, the rivalry. And then the next year we, um, after COVID, we were able to, you know, play them again and beat them again. So I think they were, it was a huge upset and, um, they were able to, you know, squeak, squeak past us this year and, and gain the championship. So for the first three championships in our league have been either us or Crestline. So I think that's kind of the genesis of the rivalry. The rivalry started the second they told you they didn't have any room on their roster. I was about to that say. is when the <laughs> rivalry like, started. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, you know what? You know what? And. Uh, with all due respect to Joe Wilheimer, the Ripper, and Chris Dodd, uh, with all due respect to them, I know they say it was satisfying that they beat us this uh, this past year, but it was extremely satisfying beating them twice <laughs> the first two years, and I got two rigs to prove it. So I'm pretty happy about that. Well, that's history. Most recently, you lost, Victor. So don't yeah. cover up the bitterness. I got two. I got, I got, two, you. I got two over there, so it's cool with me. But it sounds like you guys are going to be fighting for, for many years to come in the future. Uh, have Have you seen an uptick in interest in the vintage baseball in the area? Like, are you expecting there to be growth in what you're doing, or are you just more concentrating on making sure your rosters are full for what you currently have? Yeah, I think there's a lot of growth and interest. It's starting to really hit the like greater Los Angeles area. The LA Times did a really nice feature on our league last year. So as far as media growth, um, you hear talk like, even though you know we're not the best, you know we had to put together a team of people from Riverside. We're not the you know the strongest team out there, um, but people are really gravitating to that vintage game. And like you run into somebody around town, you start talking about it. They've heard about it, and uh, even, like, other cities are trying to come into the league. We're adding Anaheim this year, and, you know, Anaheim's a perfect location with a, you know, major league club as well. So there's a lot of talk, and it seems like people are starting to kind of hit up the league, and they want to join a – they want to join a club. So – and I think they're just looking for something, especially after, you know, how how hectic this world is with technology, just to kind of get into something a little bit different. And maybe uh, a, an 1886 club in Anaheim will give them something more to be excited about than uh, a couple of overrated players. Hey, uh, Victor, do you oh got gosh. a? <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Wow. I'm an I'm an Angels fan. Yep, do it in the playoffs. Uh, Victor, Victor appreciated that comment. Uh, Mike oh, Trout I'm a and fan, so <laughs> Otani and Trout. Yeah, they're great. They're great batting practice players. I know they're great in the regular season against uh, the Diamondbacks. Uh, <laughs> I told you wrong. Hot stir. Come on, Neville. Make the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Michael Jordan made the playoffs every year. Uh, Victor, uh, you're a Dodgers fan. Uh, tell me about your fandom for the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that wins. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I, I've been a, I've been a fan since I want to say since I was born because my my dad was a huge is a huge Dodger fan, and he first got into this country around that time when you had the Boys of Summer of Ron Say and Russell, Lopes, Garvey, Jaeger, Valenzuela, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, so Those are I, some names. I have a picture. 
I actually have a picture of when I was a child when you know I had my first my, my Dodger batting helmet with my big orange my big orange plastic bat <laughs> you know so uh, you know I've I've been a Dodger fan ever since so I was uh growing up I was a huge Kirk Gibson fan so obviously Gibson went on to the Dodgers and 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 wins the yeah. the one world series game on two bad knees. But before I was a Kirk Gibson fan, I was actually a California angels, Bobby Gritch fan. Chris Johnson. Do you know the name Bobby Gritch? When I say that. Yeah, actually, uh, Bobby still works for the team. So they send them out to all these events. Um, I actually run an angels baseball fan club too, another social media thing. Um, but I gave Bobby this shirt that says halo Haven, which is, the name of our, you know, our social media presence. And uh, he took it, but then a few months later, somebody found one of our shirts at some Goodwill out in Orange County. And it was the shirt that we gave to Bobby. He <laughs> donated it back. Like within like a year. Son of a bitch. Wow. <laughs> cool. I don't know if that's a cool thing. Like when you see your own merch, I hit the thrift shop, but um, I, I'm a hundred percent. It was Bobby's because he was a two XL and that was the only one that we did like a real limited run of like 20 shirts. So I'm sure Bobby did, but uh, Bobby's a good guy. Um, always down to talk baseball. He has time for the fans. So yeah, Bobby's always one of, been one of my favorites. Um, probably a borderline hall of famer. I think with all the saber metrics, uh, he could possibly get in someday. Him and like him and Garvey. I think uh I think he led the league. He tied with three other people to lead the league in home runs one year, and it was only like twenty two home runs. My, 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 how times have yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah. He they had weren't this... juicing. They weren't juicing enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember uh a lot about the Angels actually, because like uh this week in baseball would always have that Fred Lynn Brian Downing collision at the wall, catching the, the fly ball. Uh, yeah. So I have a lot of history of, of knowing the angels exist, but never watching them and never seeing them in the playoffs. Uh, Rudy. Okay. 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 You know, <laughs> stop digging that hole. I, uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued uh, on this one uh, for both of y'all because we have, Two individuals, one who is, you know, designing uh, elements for the club and, and, and both involved in social media. Um, if you had any tips to give vintage clubs about uh, putting together social media uh, a post or if they're looking to, like, put together a merch thing and they need designs, like, what, what could you give them some tips or ideas uh, that could get them going yeah i could give them some tips uh you know you want to improve the logo you want to design a logo try to find an artist that uh give you something you know something that they pretty much i would like to say that somebody that knows that that's passionate about the game that's passionate about the history uh you know something that will not break the bank because there's a lot of graphic designers there that yeah i'll make a logo for you but i'm going to charge an X amount of dollars, for mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, and they don't have no, there's no, sometimes I'll make something up on the fly and not even care. You know what I mean? And, uh, the best thing is you know, find somebody that, that knows what you're talking about. Second, don't hesitate to, um, 
decorate the field. Decorate the field. Prepare the field. You know, put some streamers, put some banners up, put something up. Uh, you know, uh, we have the tendency in our, if you've seen pictures on our, of our home games, I actually come an hour or two hours and a half with one of my other teammates, and we set up the banners, we set up the flags, we set up, we actually have those two championship pennants that we hang up at every game. You know, kind of have that realistic theme <laughs> of, a, of an actual ballpark, you know, in a way. Of course, we're not charging for entrance. It's free to come in, you know. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, uh, me, uh, social media does help, you know. You know, uh, just spread the news, spread the word out. That's all I could say. Uh, notice how Victor threw in there the two championship pennants. Look at <laughs> He, he, the way he said it, the two championship pennants. Uh, that's great. Do you, what did you guys, uh, I heard you say earlier that you got two rings to prove it. Do you guys actually have rings or is that just an expression? We do. We have, no, we have rings. We have rings. Yeah. Yeah. Five more and we're Brady. Um, (laughs) no, but uh, no, we, uh, yeah. So it's actually kind of crazy. They're making them like out of Indonesia, so the, that's where the artist is. Uh, the first year was a, it was a little bit more crude and like you or like a little rudimentary. Um, you can't really take it out, but the last uh, version was pretty, pretty sharp. Something that you'd almost see like a class ring. Victor designed it, and um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. So it's, it's nice to walk in with those two on. Maybe we'll roll them up to the. Yeah. area game but um, oh, yeah just uh just to kind of go with the Vic, what victor was saying uh what are the tips uh, for me i think it's getting involved in the community um going to events like we got to go to the heritage house they do an ice cream social so it's a it's kind of a, a house from the 1800s so we did like a baseball clinic for kids we signed autographs um they were coming up we were signing autographs with, like a feather plume uh attached to a sharpie um, nice, but things like nice. that, just getting people interested in the game, showing off the equipment, and creating that fan experience at our games. Um, one, our first game, we almost had two people there, and some, you know, sometimes we have games we're on the road. They only have like maybe five, um, yeah. so it's about you know being more than just playing baseball, creating that experience. We sell old-fashioned soda, um, old-fashioned concessions. Uh, we have the first pitch thrown out by, you know, someone, whether it's a local politician like the mayor. Um, we've had a former major leaguer who was on the Big Red Machine. His son's on our team. So uh, Jim Merritt, if you remember him, uh, he threw out the first pitch uh, to our first game. So just trying to bring the whole community in, uh, get kids excited about baseball. We have a cannon we shoot off. That shoots like swag out into the stand, but it's really like a t-shirt cannon, but we just put it in the base of a cannon. Just all these little things. Um, And each year, I think we're looking to improve. So I don't know what we're doing this year, but, uh, and we're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something else out to, you know, draw people in. So we're kind of taking like some stuff from minor league baseball, mixing it in with uh, stuff that connects to the city. Um, But I think that's, I think that's where you'll see, you'll find success. So you're doing a a perfect uh, mix of you've picked a logo and a a theme for your club that is near and dear to the community's heart. 
So you got in through that. So that was genius. Uh, and then all of this other stuff that you guys are doing, even down to the rings. Rudy, I think the Saginaw Old Golds did a ring one year for the World's Tournament. Yeah, uh, I saw it. <laughs> and uh, uh, it comes down to treating, if you don't treat it like it's special, no one else will. And it seems like you guys are going above and beyond uh, to treat it that special. My question is, uh, did Crestline ask you for ring information so they could get theirs? Yes. Yes, they did. So you guys can see the advancement and how, what a third sure year would have looked like. Victor hasn't said anything, but I'm sure he designed it. Uh, you know, you know what, Chris? I don't, I don't want to get any of my teammates bad, which are they're probably going to be bad when we get. This. They're going to give me so much a rough time this week. But I did design their ring actually, so hey, it came out pretty it, nice. Actually, oh, you do quality spo- work. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah. So, so yeah. Victor, I assume since you designed it that you saw it. Right, you've seen one. Yeah, I've and, seen it. And was the uh, was the craftsmanship? Did they take another step up? I want to say they did a little bit. They did a, uh, they did put. A, I think they put more like of a pewter finish. And I want to say, okay, on the ring. So it came out pretty good, actually. It's not bad. The only regret I had is uh, they got the once. I think they had the same design on both sides. You know, I was waiting for them to give me some sort of a, a something like a model or something like a slogan for that year, you know, but uh, uh, it, it wasn't meant to be, I guess. Well, the, the, the team that they beat, it's, that's their slogan. They just can't put it on there. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's just the score, the, team, the other team's logo, and that's it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's fascinating for me to hear uh, coming from the Midwest, especially with Barrel Roller. What y'all are doing for a regular season game is the level of detail and uh, and attention that will be given to like a huge event. And then like uh, Midwest regular season games are like, no, we'll just show up at this field and we'll play. We're not going to put any accoutrement on it. And then uh, hearing <laughs> about these rings. I mean, look, I love everything we've ever won, but carrying around these jugs like, cause we have like, you know, these little like pots that say champion and, and <laughs> various thing at uh, like wooden plaques and things. Those are cool. I mean, <laughs> rings sound awesome. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, uh, when I did watch this video of, uh, your guys's last out and your win a couple of years ago, I noticed, and I already knew this ahead of time, but I, I wanted to bring it up. The umpire is standing behind the pitcher. Uh, I don't, obviously that's not accurate. So tell us the league's decision on putting the umpire behind the pitcher and uh, any any pitfalls that have come with that. I think, uh, well, the first game I played, um, they had the, the sir, the umpire was kind of at an angle behind home plate, but I think it just came down to safety and the willingness and our ability to get people that were crazy enough to do that for the foul tips and things like that. And I think the angle that they're at, it was kind of hard to see or call a strike um, or see where the ball's coming. So we moved them behind. So, yeah, you're right. The accuracy is not there. And that might be something that we revisit down the road. But um, that's, that's my best uh, guess as to why we did that. 
Uh, it looks well. I mean, it's it's overhand baseball, so it's a it's a hard sport. But it kind of looks like the umpire could take one off the noggin if he's not paying attention. Have you run into an issue with umpires getting hit with the ball? No, I don't. I don't remember seeing anything in one of our games. Um, yeah, not really. Knock on really wood. Think- Knock on wood. Yeah, I I actually yeah. umpi- I actually umpired a game when uh, I want to say when uh, Lake uh, Lake Arrowhead and Paris first came into the league, and I was this close getting getting hit uh, right in my stomach. Actually, actually, and and speaking of that, I actually did get hit like uh, the the fall the this past season on the same area too, but uh, it wasn't that serious. Um, you just gotta yeah, be think- alert. You just gotta be alert. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is the overhand and then not wearing helmets. I think that's kind of the thing that we worry about the most. Like I got hit in my face one time, my nose was bleeding and things like that. But um, I think the accuracy of our pitchers or the herders has improved over the time. And then we kind of instituted a a rule that if you hit so many um, batters that you're, you're out for the game. So Oh. oh, so yeah, that, that brings, I was going to ask like, uh, here in the Midwest, like, like for me, like I pretty much play every position at this current time. Oh, like, I'll pitch, I'll catch, this. I'll do, I'll do everything. Toot, yeah, barrel toot. roller. I'm, I'm tooting my own horn. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying I've won a couple of awards, oh. no, uh, but like <laughs> wooden ones with an overhand game, are the positions locked in? Like, do you have guys who are like, nah, you're not going to, we're not going to put you a pitcher. Like, what's that like when you're fielding the team defensively? Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to finding your pitcher and your catcher. Those guys are pretty locked in. Um, obviously, nice to have some backups there. But when it comes to the other positions throughout the game, we kind of just, like you said, trade off. Uh, you're like, oh, I don't want to go out there this inning. Hey, go out there. So we don't have to like – we're not really subbing. We're batting the whole lineup. And yeah. so you're like, oh, I want to go play, you know, shortstop. Okay, that's cool. Um, some guys, like, of course, you have your preference or where you feel comfortable at. But, uh, yeah, there's been games where we're almost playing nine positions. So. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know that's not historically accurate, right? Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, the, the thing is, is we hear we interview a lot of 1886 clubs from the East Coast. So they they can't pick on the Midwest teams because we don't play 1886 in the Midwest. And uh, so they have to travel and take shots at California. <laughs> it's there, it's, yeah. it's wow. so everyone wants to hate on California. I know it's all right. No, it's actually it's actually funny. Last year, our league assembled uh, kind of a team mixed mix of different teams from our own league, but we went out to Bisbee and played a um, played a more Civil War kind of era tournament with the underhand and all that. So that was pretty interesting to see the other side and some of the rules and. Um, I think I thought it was going to be a little bit easier, but it, in some ways it was more difficult. Oh yeah. Hitting. I, I would agree. I, yeah. I would agree with you 100%. Like, because having, cause I'm in Ohio and barrel rollers in Michigan. So like we only know, uh, 1864, like bound. And then 
uh, my club discovered the fly game, 1860, 1867, in 1998. And so, like, it we we don't really differentiate. We don't get out of that box. We stay in that box. And so, uh, the thought of playing overhand is amazing. And like, you know, 20 years ago, I'd have been all over it. We did play one one or two teams, but those teams faded away quickly because there were no other teams in the area playing yeah. that way. So, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, I know Barrel Roller fell in love with the game uh, when he was at Old Beth Page because it's just a, it's a, it's a good pace. It's a good pace for a ball game. A lot of action, right, Barrel Roller? It's it's a lot more intense because you got to pay attention. It's not like going out there in '64 when you can play with all your bingo buddies and everybody you go bowling with and <laughs> and catch everything off a of bounce and be like, Hey, I'm having fun. No, you gotta, you actually gotta play baseball in 1886. So, uh, yeah. that's why I'm trying to get together, uh, an 1886 league here in Michigan and Ohio for next year, 20, uh, 2024, uh, trying to do four teams, three events, uh, starting very small, awesome. starting as small nice. as possible and see where it goes from there. Cause there is a lot of interest, uh, in the Midwest, but no one, no one's going to do anything about the interest. So somebody, somebody's got to do something to get some '86 baseball around here because it's the most fun I've had watching vintage baseball by far. Was watching uh, uh, the Canton Cornshuckers from Michigan actually traveled to Old Beth Page and played the Bro- the Providence Grays. Is that who they played in that match, or was it the Atlantics? Yep. No, it's the Providence Grace. Providence Grace. And uh, that's the most fun I've had, and I called that game. Everyone can go back in the archives and, and listen to the play call of that game and listen to me fall in love with 1886 baseball as that game goes on. I just if if it was if eighteen eighty six were a woman, I would have left my wife that weekend. It would it'd have been over. <laughs> <laughs> no wow. offense. No offense. She doesn't listen. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, we want to thank you guys uh, for taking some time out uh, to talk to us about vintage baseball and Bobby Gritch. Uh, I'm gonna get Bobby. I'm gonna try to get Bobby Gritch on the show and get down, get to the bottom of this T-shirt uh, goodwill situation. <laughs> I ain't happy about this. Uh, oh, wow. But uh, Chris, Victor, you guys are, are great gentlemen. You're great ambassadors for the game. Uh, we over here in the Midwest and the East Coast are watching. We're we're checking you guys out. We're seeing what you guys are doing. Uh, we all love baseball. It's one big family. So I want to uh, thank you guys for uh, coming in. Yeah, and 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 best of luck this weekend as you uh, uh, you and your rivals come together and and to represent. And and uh, we look forward to seeing some uh, updates and outcomes and on the social media about that. So. I encourage everybody listening, go ahead. I already went in, follow the smudge pots, uh, uh, especially, I mean, honestly, if you just want to look at what a vintage baseball club running a social media page should look like, you go ahead on Facebook and follow them, follow them on Instagram as well. And uh, you can slide into their DMs and get some merchandise sent to you, which I'm going to do. You're going to see, you're going to see smudgy on this belly soon enough uh thanks thanks you guys rudy stick around don't leave yet but uh uh, chris and uh, victor thanks for joining us you guys have a good night it was a pleasure to meet you guys hey thank you it's an honor we appreciate it thank you yeah keep up the good work thank you the good work guys seriously good luck at the barrel roller classic
I love it. Uh, doesn't it get you excited? Uh, oh my God. I'm, I'm so excited right now about uh, season four. I'm so excited about vintage baseball. And now I'm even more excited about this 1886 baseball thing that I'm putting together. I watched their, like I said, I was watching their videos. God, that's just fun baseball. I mean, I understand. No offense. No offense to 64 and 67. Uh, well, actually, 67 is uh, when it's a when it's competitive matches, when it matters, when it's a yeah. tournament or something. I mean, that's just as fun. That's fun baseball. Uh, yeah. Especially when you have pitchers that are uh, above average. That really makes that fun. Uh, 64 if it's played the right way is intense and good. Mm -hmm. If it's played by the actual rules, then it can be a little more intense and a little more fun. So, but 1886 for a baseball fan, that's the sweet spot right there in vintage baseball. It really is. Uh, and I, and unfortunately you get to a certain age and you could no longer think about playing 1886 baseball where you can play 64 until you die. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess it's all in personal preferences and everything, uh, but they really put a lot into it and, uh, they're a very impressive, not only are they a very impressive club, but we talked to Crestline and we talked to the San Francisco Pelic Pelicans. It's a very impressive system that they got in California and they might not have, uh, the history down the way everybody would like it to be 100% accurate. They've made some changes for them, but whatever they're, they're hitting it. They're doing it right. As far it's better as than, it's better than not happening at all. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I'm it like, even what they said about the, the empire it, it's a safety concern. You got to put that above everything else. You put safety above accuracy all the time. And if you don't, uh, shift your priorities but no absolutely impressive all around the whole from from the the whole area i heard the word commissioner thrown around i heard i mean like it seems like they've really built and are building a thriving vintage baseball community and it's uh it's amazing and i wonder at what point will those with those gentlemen playing 86 on the west coast Will they age out and just not play anymore, or will they bring the 64 game to the West Coast when time catches up? I'm curious. Just honestly, watch it Watch it be what you're doing. Watch it be the reverse of what you're doing, where you're bringing 80, 86, 84 into the Midwest. They'll bring 68. They'll be like, all right, 64. They'll be like, okay, guys, we're a little too old to be doing this, but we want to stay involved. Here's our 64 team. Huh? I think it's per I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, great interview to start off season four. Next week, Rudy, I don't know if I told you. Did I tell you who we're, who we got next week? No. Oh, special treat. You are going to be, the smile that's about to come across your face is going to be priceless. Next week, episode two, season four, it's the Mattingly Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> You, oh, that is, oh, that's going to be, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Those two are, oh, trouble. I love it. 
And also, we are going to attempt, if we have enough time, uh, to set up our first game show next week. So that'll be that'll be the warm up. Is our first game show. So uh, a lot going on for us. Uh, yeah, Rudy, it was so great to sit down with you again. We're getting back in the flow. Oh, I'm excited. I get goosebumps. It feels good. It feels good. I can't wait. I mean, because I don't know if you've had the experience up north, but like it's actually kind of been false spring down here. So we've had days of sunshine and close to 70 degrees. And the whole time I'm like, oh, I want to get out there. I'm going to swing a bat. It's that time. I'm getting that itch. And this this is just scratching it. I love this so much. This was a blast. Uh, we're about to get hit with a major snowstorm starting tomorrow night. So uh, it's major, major, many inches of snow and ice. Uh, yeah. So I got to work in work in that weather on Wednesday and then go to work on Thursday. Uh, people, people. <laughs> Business owners, let me let me talk to you for a second. <sighs> Plow your parking lots, a-holes. Then <laughs> I feel like we need the the more you know <laughs> banner going across the screen. Oh my god, so many, so many sidewalks oh, and driveways and parking lots and. It's not fun in the winter time uh, being a beer delivery guy, but I do what I got to do. Hey, hey, be careful. Watch your step. Take your time. You got this. Don't forget, we got R- Rookie of the Year, the movie discussion coming out at some point over the next month. It's going to happen. I want to get I want to get my movies out of the way. I don't know what Rudy's doing with his. I don't know if he. I don't. He might. He could have already done them for all I know. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm, I haven't done them. I've, I've, I'm building up the suspense. <laughs> You're 100 right. I'm it is building, and uh, so we want to thank you guys for sticking around for three seasons as you've done. Uh, we've done some great stuff. You know what, Rudy? Before we leave, before I let you go. Uh, I'm going to take a second here to look up the current top 10 episodes in Podbean Roller Out the Barrel history. There has been some movement. Ooh, I love it. There's been movement, and I just want to let everybody know where they've been moved to. Here we go. Should we? We'll go from one until 10 because. Uh, Truly, <laughs> there is no uh, competition for the first episode. Mm-hmm. As, uh, oh, I'm having a hassle. There it is. The first episode, as always, is is actually the Crestline, Crestline Hill Highlander, Highlanders. The Crestline Highlanders, Heritage Cup Champions. Uh, season three, episode 27 is by far, by far our highest downloaded episode on Podbean. Remember that this is Podbean exclusive. This is not overall. Uh, number two uh, has not changed. That is the Dirty Pirate, Anthony Canino, uh, part one. 
Because we, I think we interviewed him twice. Yep. Uh, episode three, season or uh, number three on the top ten downloaded episodes on Podbean, season three, episode twenty-five. Keith Boomer Walters of the Ro- of the Rochester Grangers with uh, special guest. It was uh, Michelle. Oh, what was her last name? not showing up on my list yeah o'connell yeah michelle o'connell uh good pull rudy i'm old uh of the maricopa maidens right do i got that right yeah i should have planned this on ahead of time i'd have all the information and not look like an ass sorry michelle anyway third uh was that uh uh fourth is season one episode 29 the newly appointed captain of the Saginaw Old Golds, Jeff and Kicks, holding strong. Boy, he's always been in the top ten uh, ever since yeah. the episode happened. So he's a top ten type of guy, is yeah. he? Okay, I was gonna say top fifteen, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fifth most downloaded episode, season three, episode twenty-eight. You see a trend here. We really hit. We really hit a. Uh, our groove uh, together at the end of season three. I was so. That's when the magic happened. It's one of the one uh, where I'm like, God, the season's ending and all that stuff, but we've never had this momentum before on the podcast. And now we've ruined it by taking our, <laughs> our season break and then starting back up in season four. We'll see what happens. But uh, season three, episode 28, uh, Paul uh, Menser of the Belleville Stags of Missouri. And then we had uh, in yep. the warm up we had David Blanchard of the uh, Field of Dreams report, which was a fascinating mm-hmm. segment. If you have not heard, well, for one, Paul was great. Uh, but if you, oh, gosh. yeah, and uh, but if you want information about the Field of Dreams and what's going on in the future, and and all the politics behind what's going on with the Field of Dreams, you got to listen to the first. Uh, David Blanchard on the Field of Dreams report because you're going to get all the information there, and obviously. People wanted to hear that as well as Paul Menser because it's our fifth most downloaded episode. So in our top five, we have three episodes we did at the end of season three. You see how our momentum was crazy? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, number six is uh, what could be my favorite episode. I, I, it's one of yours, too. It's season two, episode two, uh, Philip Coco Hayes of the Canton Corn Shuckers. Uh, that is, we get into some, if I remember correctly, we get into some, uh, discussions outside of vintage baseball that some people would find awkward. And, uh, I did not. And, uh, I don't think Philip did either. And I think we, we told the line and got some information out there. And, uh, I'm pretty proud of that episode actually. Number seven is uh, is our roller out the barrel extra number four. It's Daniel Jones and 21st Century Town Ball. Uh, the Town Ball community really was excited to have that episode, and I know that vintage baseballers uh, wanted to learn more about the Town Ball and what you what you learn about is the history of the Town Ball and then how they've they've kind of changed it to what it would look like today if Town Ball actually existed instead of baseball. 
so that's a very interesting uh, episode if you're looking for the history of town ball. And then number eight, uh, number episodes number eight and number nine are the ones that have fallen due to the increase on the other ones. But what used to be my number one episode is now number eight. It's season one, episode one, Mike Marbles Feeney of the Can't Gorn Truckers, our first, <laughs> first episode that we released. And actually, Rudy was a part of that episode. So it's almost like, you know, it's almost like we, yeah, yeah. COVID killed us, Rudy. Who knows what what would, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with the way the podcast is right now, but uh, who knows what would have happened if uh, COVID didn't happen, you know, crazy. Exactly. Uh, in episode, uh, the ninth most downloaded episode is the World Tournament Special number eight. Mike Marbles Feeney uh, goes heel, turns heel on the base of the independence in this episode. <laughs> and... Uh, Probably downloaded a lot because of that fact. Well, plus it's Mike Feeney. It's downloaded a lot. You notice that we we try to squeeze in as much Mike Feeney as we can. I think we've overdone it. Have we overdone it? No. Okay, good. You can't oversaturate the market when it comes to Mike Feeney. Let's be honest. And then our number 10 on the list, uh, season three, episode 13, Jeff Kraut Bamer from the Fillmore Fun Guy of Minnesota. The Fillmore Fun Guy still haven't lost at the Ohio Cup. Is that accurate? I know. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, so there we are. So we're expecting uh, big things in season four, and hopefully we can get some season four episodes into that top ten. Uh, we did move up. Oh, yeah. We did move up from number 10 to number 9 in the off-season of best baseball podcasts according to, I don't remember. <laughs> it's a blog. Uh, I'm going to look it up for a second. It's a blog. Hey, the fact that we're on a list, that's amazing. Yeah, we're on a list. Oh, it's a feed spot. The 25 best baseball history podcasts, uh, we were number 10. We've moved up to number nine. I don't even know what the criteria is, but, you know, anytime I fall on a list, I don't tell anybody. So all the times we've fallen, I don't tell Jack Diddley squatness, but I will tell you when we move up and we've moved from 10 to nine. Exactly. (laughs) Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, Okay, Rudy, I think we've kept him along long enough, but uh, I'm just... Uh, I just like talking to you, brother. I mean, this is fun. I know, I, this, like this, like I, I say it every time. I mean it with all my heart. Like lit highlight of my week. So excited! I've been looking forward to this since we scheduled it, and uh, I can't wait. So, on that note, Rudy, get everybody out of here. For the Barrel Roller, I'm the Swamp Fox, and we want to thank you for support for three seasons, and we look forward to your continued support for season four. And we will also want to tell you to keep it station to station, and we'll see you out in the field. And don't turn your T-shirts into Goodwill. <laughs>